Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adult learner and all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. How do we change is a question most of us ask, and even the question, why don't we change? We're going to have the answer to that question. Dr. Ross Ellenhorn is our special guest with the book, How We Change and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. Big questions to ask, and he'll get into your head and help you solve your problems. Welcome to the program, doctor. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. So let's start off the, the you know, time. Would you give out your cell phone number? There's, <laughs> there's a, million, a million people that have questions about how to change, and uh, this has been bothering many for a, a long period of time, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. It would seem like, you know, just follow these directions and you can change. But why is it so complicated for human beings to change? Well, it's very interesting that you, you, you ask it in that way, actually. Um, we, we live in a culture now where 
there is sort of this idea that there's a kind of fix it way to change. Um, you know, there's books that are out, you know, five steps, um, uh, how to, you know, we used to think about how to as something you think about for plumbing, right? Or right. <laughs> something mechanical. So we've sort of ended up with this culture where we think of change as this mechanical thing, like fixing a bike or, um, you know, something, something sort of where it takes a screwdriver instead of it takes something else. And what it takes is really the ability to contemplate your situation. We've really discovered through the science of change that being able to contemplate is really kind of the root of all change. And to contemplate means to not only look at why you want to change, but also to look at the good side of why you're staying the same. Contemplation is really the act of weighing the pros and cons on both sides of things. And yet we live in a culture where basically change is sold as the only thing you should be doing. And you're kind of this bad person or you're lazy or you're not taking care of yourself when you do it, instead of recognizing that there's actually a good side to staying the same. And once you're able to weigh those two things, you're actually in a better place to change, that you're able to contemplate one over the other. You know, you see these lives of people, you know, it could be actors or sports heroes and how their lives in these biographies, you know, they just kind of take off. And, and a lot of us, are, our lives as we age even seems somewhat the same. And, and it seems like mm -hmm. from reading your book, there's a lot underneath here that people desperately would like to live a life of purpose. They would like to have more power and control over their lives. And uh, maybe we just don't understand, I don't know, how to do it. And maybe we, we like watching other people live their lives. I don't know. But uh, it seems like we miss the boat while it's all happening, our life. Uh, maybe having more say over things. You even mentioned that book, Harold and the Purple Crayon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, would you explain a little bit about that for people who don't know? Oh, it's a, it's a really remarkable children's book. Um, and it's really about um, drawing and creating your own life, uh, taking charge of your life in a way where you're the creator of that life. And, and that is something we should all strive for, but it takes a lot of courage and a lot of hope to enter that kind of a life. Um, and I'm very interested in this area that I've developed called fear of hope. And I'm, I'm researching that with a team at Rutgers University. And the idea is that a lot of us struggle with really fearing the sense that we're hoping for something because we don't want to be let down again. And we've been actually been able to kind of show that people can have actually a lot of hope but also a lot of fear of hope, that they're worried about trying again because they're worried about some experience where they'll feel kind of helpless in, in meeting their own needs. And Harold is a guy who's just absolutely hopeful and isn't fearing hope. He's just going along and there's blank pages in front of him and he has his purple crayon and he's just basically drawing a life. And every time he falls down, every time something bad happens, he has another, he has a sense of faith in himself that he could draw himself out of it. So he falls mm. off a cliff and then he draws an, a hot air balloon and saves himself. So he has this belief, I'm able to kind of save myself every time. And it's these two things that really are the kind of the ingredient to change is not being too afraid of hope and having some level of faith in yourself. And when those things aren't happening for you, it's very hard to change. Now, your profession, you're a psychologist, are you not? I'm a clinical social worker and a PhD sociologist. Yes. And so yes. you see people all the time struggle 
with trying to write, you know, what is wrong or inner conflicts, which life is so full of. And this became a life work for you, noticing that and how some people they could change and others they could not change. What do you think separated one from the other? Um, well, I actually work, just to tell you, I work with people who have been treated for really kind of significant psychiatric issues. And I developed this theory working with them because I actually believe that a lot of what's going on for them isn't because of the psychiatric issue. It's because of the profound experience of disappointment they had when their life didn't work out because of what, a, what the psychiatric issue caused for them. And so what's holding them back from life is not their schizophrenia or their depression or their bipolar disorder. What's holding them back is their fear of trying again because they were let down when these, these experiences happened to them. And they were let down also because treatment didn't work and they feel disappointed in their lives and how to make their lives work. So my program's, you know, orientation is always how do we kind of lift up their hope again? Now, you were asking about what allows a per one person to change and one person not to change. And I'm going to give you an example from my own life of a moment of change for me. And it gives you an example of kind of the, 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 the multiple ways in which change is, is affected. I uh, was uh, uh, on my way to work one day. I was actually at work in New York City. And um, I was about to take the elevator up uh, to my offices. And I was about to give a, a, a somebody that I oversaw, a manager of my company, some negative feedback. And I'm not very good at giving negative feedback. And it's always been my goal to get better and better at that. But I was dreading this. And I could see myself possibly even not doing it. I've avoided it many times in my life. And I got on the elevator and somebody spilled a little bit of coffee in the elevator. And another person from behind me offered that person a little bit of sugar to pour on the coffee to make it congeal. And another person stepped forward and offered a napkin and they put it on it. And um, we got to the third floor of the building and a person got off and they yelled back to us. That was the best elevator ride ever. <laughs> and then we got to the sixth floor and somebody got off the elevator and they, and they yelled back. Uh, same time next year, let's meet at this elevator. And everybody laughed. And I left that elevator and I was able to give this person really good feedback, critical feedback. And I might not have been able to do that without that elevator ride. And that's because all change happens in what we call a field. It's a relationship between forces that are pushing us forward and forces that are holding us back. And our fields change all the time. Something good happens in the field, and now we're in a better place where we have stronger, more positive forces moving forward than negative ones that we're able to move forward. Sometimes so much negative is happening to us that we can't push forward against that. And we're not completely in control of these fields. We can do whatever we can, but on one day, you probably know this in your own life, on one day, you're struggling over a diet. And the next day you wake up and you're able to diet perfectly. That's because something has shifted in the field around you of all of those forces that push you forward. Means there's, no, you there's no frozen pizzas in my, fr in my fridge. That's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, but, that, it, but, that's, but there's, there's no, we, we have to stop seeing change as something we can always do every single day of the week and that there's something wrong with us when we can't. We have to have compassion for ourselves that sometimes things are too tough around us for us to move forward. And we have to have so much compassion for ourselves. We also have to see that that part of us that's keeping us the same 
isn't bad. It's the part of us that's loving ourselves, that's trying to protect us from this pain of some disappointment. That's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily something we want in our life all the time, but it comes from protection. It comes from self-love. That we're worried, I'm going to try this diet, I'm going to fail at it, I'm going to feel bad about myself. That's not such a bad thing. Where does all that shame come from? I mean, it's like, you know, you talked about Harold and the purple crayon. I mean, we, we don't start out like that. You go through life and then all of a sudden you start fearing what could happen. Or as you mentioned, the, the prison of anxiety. And uh, yeah. there's so many people that would love to break free. We're going to find out a little bit more. Uh, we're with Dr. Ross Ellenhorn and his book, How We Change and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. And he talks about the coronavirus just in the forward here. The coronavirus pandemic has revealed a very big secret we've been keeping from ourselves and each other. We can be remarkably agile in the face of change. We're going to find out how hope and faith play a part in all that right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's Word through a daily 30-minute podcast. From essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field, after only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcast. Every day, over three and a half million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school. Every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children, to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at christianschoolmanagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact christianschoolmanagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. All right, we're back with Ross Ellenhorn, Dr. Ross Ellenhorn, How We Change and uh, 10 Reasons Why We Don't. Uh, going through life is so difficult, and uh, there are a lot of reasons why some people can change and some uh, cannot, and uh, he's going to answer uh, many more questions. What's the biggest question you always get, and you know, maybe you're surprised that you're always asked the same question about how we change and, and how we don't? Well, the struggle always um, is that uh, people want these sorts of prescriptive answers. Like, here's the things you do to change. Here are the five things that will help you change. And I actually think that those kind of prescriptions are counterproductive. Um, the person tries those things, they don't work. And then the person feels like, well, but those are the perfect things to do. And now I feel bad about myself that something's wrong with me in making those things happen. And we live in a culture that's really constantly telling people that they need to be changing, that they need to be improving themselves. And something's bad about them when they don't. Um, and, and my book actually gives almost no advice. 
because I just don't believe that I have the capacity or anybody has the capacity to tell you what the things are you need to do. Because that's not really the hard part. The hard part is generating enough hope in yourself, enough belief in yourself to make those things happen. You pick any diet and you'll lose weight. It's not the diet. It's your willingness to stick to it. And in my mind, the best I can do for people is help have them recognize that the things that are holding them back are things to consider as options. Because once they're able to do that, they weigh those pros and cons and are able to then make a decision. And we all naturally head towards growth and wellness once we've weighed those pros and cons. I mean, I'd imagine if we could do it all over again, we would think that we could change it all. But you ever wonder, you know, maybe we wouldn't. Maybe we'd all be just the same and we're all just doing the best we can. But uh, you mentioned how faith and hope, those two, you know, I told, I told you I wouldn't get biblical with you, right? But there is, a, there is a, a lot in the scriptures about faith and hope and how healthy that is in your life. You admit that faith and hope are you know, very uh, important for psychological uh, well-being, uh, even our, our spiritual well-being. But how do those two play a part in changing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually think that um, psychology has done a poor job of ignoring these two experiences that religion has really done a, a very good job at seeing as sort of the center for our lives. Um, so people that are hopeful, um, they have, if, if you were to take a test on hope, Snyder's test on hope, which is sort of the classic test you take, you'll be asked questions about two things. One is this kind of belief in what they call agency thinking. Agency thinking is I believe in myself. I think I can do this, or I believe others will help me with this. And the other is alternative pathways, that when I see a barrier, I can work my way around it. I'll figure out a way around it. Those are the two uh, effects of hope, right? And hope is this experience of moving towards something when you don't know if you'll get it or not, right? Hope, is, hope doesn't exist without uncertainty. Uh, a positive sense of the future that is certain is called optimism. And optimism is kind of a cheap emotion. Hope is a much deeper emotion. It's the ability to say, I want that thing, I'm heading towards it, but I may not get it. And that means that hope requires risk, right? Because you may not get that thing. And the other thing about hope is that when you hope for something, you appoint importance to that thing that wasn't there before you hoped for it. So, you know, your parents ask you what you want for Christmas and you say a bike and the minute you say a bike and you start hoping for it, a bike becomes this important thing for you. And you also notice you don't have that bike in your life. So when you hope, you, you make something more important and you notice you don't have it. And you don't have those experiences when you don't hope. So hope creates this risk of not getting the thing you made important and then not having it and then feeling mm. you lack it. So in personal development, that becomes very important. Because I'm saying, I want to lose weight. Now I'm recognizing this is something I want in my life that I didn't want before I hoped for it. And if I don't achieve it, I'm going to recognize that I'm a person that didn't lose weight. But if I don't change and I don't hope, I don't have to have those feelings. Right? And so hope requires this risk in all change of this kind of profound sense of disappointment. And yes. along with that becomes another disappointment, which is I'm not able to make my life work. I'm not able to do that. And that makes us feel kind of shameful and bad about ourselves. 
Yes, Dr. Ellen Horn, I know that you do a lot of studies. If you need anybody, you know, to, to study about how they don't change, I would be so happy to, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll, I'll volunteer, you know, you could study yeah. me, study me, how a person cannot change after all these years, you know, but um, do you, do you think that uh, some of this, I'd like to think in a way, a lot of this comes down to permission and maybe, do you think just childhood behavior? I mean, with, with parents, it seems like a lot of the dynamics for life are kind of locked in then. Uh, do we sometimes not evolve or uh, have our own uh, self-identity if we are too, if those dynamics that took place in childhood play out in adulthood uh, and not giving yourself permission? I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of guilt and shame in all this. Yeah, I mean, another way to think about it is, um, in my field, we talk a lot about, about what we call attachment, which is the kind of the good ways and the bad ways infants connect with their parents when they're very young. I think of that moment as about hope. So the infant makes a sound. It, it, it wants nurturance. At that moment, it's hoping. And if that nurturance doesn't come or it comes in a way that's confusing, then that's profound disappointment. And so I don't think that what we're dealing with when we deal with people that are having trouble is about their connection as much as it's about their hope, that these are, we could call ourselves hope disordered, hmm. right? That I'm afraid of reaching again for the thing I want because I'm afraid of being disappointed. And what we actually discover is that when, Children are disappointed over and over again. They go in, into a thing called anaclyptic depression, which is they stop trying. They stop reaching out because they just don't want that sense that they can't get what they want. It's better to play possum than to try. And it's that experience that I think also happens for us in adulthood. That we're, we're playing possum often because we just don't want that feeling like we're helpless, like we can't get our needs met, like we can't get the things we want. It's amazing where all the pressure comes from that we would put that on ourselves or society, even with social norms that, you know, we have to meet a certain standard or maybe that happens in school where you're supposed to be this or something. I don't know, but it seems like never feeling really comfortable with you, you know, in your own skin and that people could live their whole lives like that. Wanting to change, of course, uh, your book, very, very important that people get it. Uh, Dr. Ross Ellenhorn, How We Change, and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. So um, we know that there's inner conflicts, and we know that maybe that we have a hope disorder. And uh, what are some of the things that maybe people have read your book and kind of had an, an awakening? Well, the, the awakening would be to be able to weigh staying the same and changing. So instead of saying, um, I need to diet, to say, what are the good, what is the good side of not dying, dieting? How can I look at that and kind of keep track of that? Because if I look at the good side of not dieting, I'm actually more likely to give it up than I am if I just say it's bad if I don't diet. So what are the good sides? I get to eat all these kind of great foods, right? I get all this fat and salt in my mouth that tastes great <laughs> and, and moves flavor around better than any other thing, you know? Did my wife call you? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but, right? I also get to not get my hopes up, you know? And getting my hopes up, that's a drag, you know? I can really be let down. Okay, so now 
am I willing to give up those two things, all that flavor and the sense that I'm not getting my hopes up? Well, if I weigh that with what I'll get, which is better health, you know, uh, priding myself for doing this, maybe I want to give that up. But I have to recognize I'm giving something up. I have to kind of grieve that thing that just say it's bad. I'm a bad person for doing it. That doesn't work. I have to have some compassion and even some respect for that side of me that wants to stay the same. That's what I, that's what I think is the aha moment in my book. It's not saying here's the five ways to change. It's saying, here's the 10 reasons not to change. Here's the reasons you're using. And they have some legitimacy to them. They're understandable and they don't come from a bad place. It's just interesting, the human constitution, why some people can change, why some don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not always the most ideal conditions. I mean, of course, you know, you're a pioneer. I just give a little accolade here. Dr. Ellenhorn, pioneer leader in the development and promotion of community integration services, types of care that serve and empower individuals diagnosed with psychiatric and or addiction issues. And while they remain in their own communities and outside institutional settings. So, I mean, you, I'm sure it ceases to amaze you working with people, why some people have the will or some people have the hope in less than ideal uh, circumstances. But uh, I mean, we're not all the same as a psychologist or a sociologist. Um, you know, we're very, very different, but yet, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all kind of connected. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe, like you said, maybe if we just love each other ourselves a little bit more, but it's, it's hard. I guess, it, what's, what's your biggest frustration in dealing with change? Well, I have to say that my biggest frustration regarding change is actually not about helping people. It's about what our culture has done about change which is that it really is a sales-oriented culture that claims that if you read this book or you take this pill or you do this thing or you do that thing, that change is at hand. And that's really close to snake oil. That's this sort of sales pitch that we've been hearing for centuries, when in reality, change comes from ourselves, you know, comes from our ability to kind of contemplate the situation and move forward. That doesn't mean we need others, but what we need others for is some sense of collaboration with this person that they're helping us move forward, not direction on how to change, but more a sense that they're on our side, that they're understanding the situation, and they're helping us figure out what's next and how to take care of ourselves. And my frustration is with a culture that's selling something else, which is, like I said before, something very, very mechanical, as if we're machines that just need fixing. Instead of recognizing that there's, you know, there's a soul, there's a person there, and that person back, is unique. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, if we yeah. go back to the elevator for just a minute, I, I got yeah. me thinking about that story. What really happened in there? I mean, it was it just the fact that people in in our foibles uh, were able to come together and help one another, even though you know we're less than perfect, and uh, and something indeed happened. Uh, yeah. And there are situations in life where people come together like that. Um, what was the big takeaway as far as what you noticed about human behavior in the elevator? Well, it's, it's my own. I mean, I think that, um, I think that, you know, like I said, there's all these forces in me that are moving me forward towards change. And then there's all these forces in me and outside of me that are pushing against me changing. 
And I needed a little bit more of the forces towards change. And that little more was probably my sense of a trust and a, and a belief in humanity, you know, that people can be generous and kind and humorous. And that was enough to give me enough force to do this one thing. And well, so a lot, of, a lot of what helps us change is mysterious. We don't know what the thing is that's changing. But we all know that that feeling like one day we're trying hard at this thing. We can't do it. The next day we can. And that doesn't usually come just from within. That something around us is changing. See, that's why we wish we can kind of get that under control. I mean, that seems to be that the ultimate. It seems like other people can. Maybe they don't. I mean, again, sports stars having certain discipline or or actors. I don't know. It's just a certain discipline maybe over our lives. But we're with Dr. Ellen Horn and his book, How We Change and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. We're going to come back, remaining thoughts with him. We're going to talk about the coronavirus and how he sees the world and all the changes necessary, school and you name it, probably thousands more right after this. Start your fragrance line and make money with bostonperfumery.com. Design custom cologne or perfume using natural ingredients. Imagine 10% butterscotch, 20% sandalwood, and 70% vanilla dark. Choose any scents and any percentage from the Boston Perfumery Sun Chart, then name your custom fragrance. Visit bostonperfumery.com. Again, bostonperfumery.com. Everyone deserves a signature scent. Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples, and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the unreached. Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at cinami.org. Org. That's CINAMI.org or call 559-370-4103. God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Dr. Ross Ellenhorn is our special guest, and his book is in major bookstores around the nation, maybe even the world. How We Change is the name of the book and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. So the coronavirus is a perfect exhibit A, that there are changes and things now that are the new normal, and uh, Mm -hmm. wearing your mask in the store and millions of changes. How is that affecting people as far as their emotional uh, psychological and uh, can we can we change along with this? Well, I think that what we do know is that it's it's really an example of how nimble and agile people actually are. That with the right ingredients, we can do radical change because what we did was radical, you know. But interestingly enough, the forces against um, breaking a habit or, or changing some behavior you want to change are actually more against us than they were with the coronavirus. 
So the coronavirus gave us a sense. Remember those arrows going up, those positive arrows, mm -hmm. the, the, the power moving us forward. Gave us a sense that we were in this together. Uh, we had a sense that our lives were at risk and, the, and, and, and our family's lives were at risk. Um, and we had some orientation that this would end at some point and we were together on this. That's different than when it's all up to you. And that's what a diet's like. I have to make this happen. Do I trust myself? Do I have enough faith in myself to make this happen? This is my alone thing. That's actually harder to do as far as developing a sense of hope than doing it with a group of people. And I know that sounds weird because the coronavirus was a massive change in all our behavior. But what it shows is that we can change. It's just we have to get through our fear of hope to do it. We have to have enough faith in ourselves to have hope in our ability. And we can do lots of different things in our lives. Yeah, you see people, though, kind of willing and wishing. Let's just go back to normal. If we only have enough yeah. will, if we only have enough discipline, we can do it. And interesting, you talk about, you know, the different forces, if you will, that no matter how hard people try to get back to normal, because we don't want to really change. We don't really want to think, how can we do school differently than the way we've done it or work? You know, now yeah. it's becoming remote. So there, you ever think about all of how this affects society, all the different areas where, you know, we're resistant to the kind of change that's waiting. Let's just go back to normal. And then we get hit in the face and more outbreaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no, it's, it's no. So, so yeah. So, so it's all falling apart now as far as our ability to feel like we're all together. In this. Yes. And it began, we did, and now it's kind of crumbling. And what you're seeing is all of this uh, behavior back to sameness because people aren't feeling those things we first felt at the beginning. And what we need, and, 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 and I know this, you know, I, I hope this doesn't sound too political, but it's just a fact. What we need is a really sound sense of leadership. Um, so hope relies on what, what's called a time perspective. It relies on the ability to see something in front of you and know what's going to happen and then see something new in front of you to keep you going. That's what all hope relies on. And so we need leaders that, that don't tell us everything's gonna be okay, but can say to us, in the next two weeks, this is what we're gonna try. If that doesn't work, we're gonna try something else. And I will communicate with you all the way through from beginning to end, what we're trying next and next and next and next and next. That continues to, to foster and, 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 and fertilize hope. But when there's chaos and there's no sense of where we're going, people begin to lose hope and lose their ability to kind of contain themselves and they go back to sameness. So I, I don't mean to compare too much with um, what's going around you, but New York City had a governor that was doing that. He was maintaining the hope by providing incremental communication along the way. And that's what contained that city so that people stuck with him. He didn't come out and say everything went great this week. He said, this is what we try. This is what we're going to try next. And that keeps people together. That's, that's really the science of hope is you need these incremental sense of communication and progress along the way. Your book brings perspective. And, and when people buy your book, you know, and uh, once again, Dr. Ross Ellenhorn and his book, How We Change and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. When people buy your book, um, you think it can actually kind of Give them a little support during this time? I hope so. 
I, that's what I've heard it has, you know, that they're, they're feeling a little, you know, they're feeling a little less shameful about behaviors during this time, you know, something kind of for communities that weren't uh, directly affected, but had to quarantine, um, you know, people felt like, well, I'm home now, so I can learn a new craft or can learn to do this or I can do that, you know, and slowly but surely, none of those things happened. <laughs> you know, most people didn't really learn something new or do something differently. And I think reading the book can help them understand why that happened, you yes. know, and that they don't need to feel shameful about that, that this is this sort of tough time where we, we don't have a real sense of when things will end. And that, that goes against sort of being motivated to change. Um, and so I do hope it helps in that kind of way. It's really interesting because in the end, I think that would, the reason I love your book, it's, I'm amazed at how little we know about ourselves and how we have <laughs> not really figured things out. And yet, you know, you look at the human condition, the human being in a very special way where we can look at ourselves and, and you know, allow change to happen. And uh, as you said, well, faith, hope, love, it's in your book at least, and all of that and uh, towards change and and what did you call that we have a disorder, a hope disorder? Yeah, I mean, I hate to use the word disorder, but a perturbed, how about a perturbed relationship with hope? You know, that we, we, we struggle. I think this is sort of a central part of our lives, that a lot of our struggles have to do with the fear of hoping. And the fear of hoping has to do with what it feels like to not attain the thing you hope for. Um, hope doesn't exist without despair, and despair is the feeling you have when You've hoped. You don't have yes. despair when you don't try. It just doesn't exist. It exists at the point when you've tried and the thing didn't work. When you hope, you're risking despair. And you can live a life without despair if you never hope. And so we're all struggling with that dynamic all the time. Well, we need something for sure in our own mm -hmm. minds and hearts. And uh, as far as what, how can we figure things out? How can we get from point A to point B, and how can we be different in a time where there's some so much uncertainty, nothing looks the same, and that's the moment where people can make a change. It's amazing how people can, and then in unlikely ways, I'm sure, and it's not always cookie cutter, but Dr. Ross Ellenhorn helps us examine ourselves in his book, How We Change and 10 Reasons Why We Don't. Very interesting. We need it at this time of life in our uh, in society. Thank you so much for writing it and for being on the program. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users, while products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems, for more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. 
And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.